Hey, you're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project, where music making matters. I'm your host, Ashley Bienyage. Each episode features interviews with local music makers in hopes to connect the vibrant Winnipeg music scene with listeners like you. Through stories of songwriting, album releases, and touring, listen to the unique journeys of local artists who love what they do. to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. I'm Ashley Bing as your host. Today I'm here with Katie of Katie and the Wolves. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming on to the show. Um, I'm very excited to have you here. You, um, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Good. Tired, like you said. Just got back from a week-long holiday, so mm-hmm. this was my first day back to work. And mm-hmm. uh, feel like I'm holding my eyes open all day but it's good yeah. it's good trying to <laughs> stay strong and then and then you're going for an interview right after so yeah, yeah perked like, me right up so. yeah good oh, I'm glad. <laughs> so for people who are listening um what is your elevator pitch if someone asked you what kind of music do you make how would you describe your sound oh it's a good question um I I tend to describe it as motorcycle music and people go what's that and I go I don't know motorcycle music you gotta listen to it to yeah. figure out what motorcycle music is yeah um it's a little rough around the edges I think uh but melodic at the same time so you know I lean heavily on like 1970s influences and like the blues and what have you so that finds its way in there so I kind of like lean towards those tones so I kind of garages kind of sloppy sometimes but uh yeah motorcycle music i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did you how did you get into the, um well maybe even before that how did you get into music that's the question i like to ask i was like how did how did this all start were you in this specific band or just music in general from a youngin from oh. like your first lesson if you had any i didn't have any lessons um I think it all started when my mom gave me this musical kitty that was a wind-up toy when I was like a toddler. <laughs> I always just gravitated towards music. Yeah. Um, I guess, um, especially at my grandparents' house, my grandma was a piano teacher, so she had two pianos in her house. Uh, my uncle was a drummer, so we always had drums set up at her house. And my dad played guitar, but uh, I didn't really dabble in that. I remember going in and I'd like line up all the machine heads because they were all like... Uh, Oh, like for tuning? Yeah, because they were all like in different uh, angles and what have yeah. you. So I'd go and I'm like, well, this is so messy. And I would line them up and he'd be like, why are you untuning my guitar? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I just was around instruments and yeah. I just always kind of gravitated uh, towards music for some reason. And what kind of music was, was your uncle and your dad making? Oh, my uncle was playing in kind of like 80s rock bands and okay. I think a little bit of blues. Uh, my dad had very eclectic taste in music mm-hmm. actually a lot of like electronic stuff like vangelis oh and what have you. um it's actually currently my stepmom is the one that holds uh she has the most kudos for the biggest coolest record collection so oh um, but she i didn't actually connect with her until like much later because my dad didn't get married to her till she was uh, or till i was about like over 20 so growing up i guess that wasn't really an influence so Sorry, tangent there. No, it's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you, um, you appreciate it now, though. So absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Some of the records she has are just, yeah, crazy awesome collection. Like rare, like Led Zeppelin records and what have you. So, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know where, I don't know where it came from. I just, 
always just it was seemed to be the one constant thing like I had okay. pretty I was really bad at being able to concentrate when I was a kid so that was the one thing I always fell back on for some reason it was the one thing that was always constant so no matter how like distracted I was it was just like oh there's music and it just just, just kept clicked. going yeah even yeah. into like my adulthood and yeah I don't know I was just kind of like always drawn to it for whatever reason mm-hmm. and, and were you performing or, or how did it start so you were you always had this draw to it but how did it go from like just listening to it to singing it and writing it and performing your own original compositions I think one day my I was just pounding on my grandma's piano and I think she got annoyed at how terrible it sounded so she just came up and she's like this is middle c I'm like oh okay and for some reason from there I just figured out chords so okay. then I had uh, girlfriends that gave me they had these two like little toy Casio pianos that were like not even 20 keys, but they gave me two of them. So I would stack them on each other. Then I would practice with both hands and started with crappy Casio pianos. And then then I started recording myself and I had like a du- double uh, double deck tape player. So you record on one, put in the other and it would speed it up just slightly. But then if you kept going back and forth and it would speed it up even more. So I started recording. And then I think when I was 14, I was just like, I need to learn guitar. I want to play guitar. So I like begged and begged and begged my mom. I'm like, I need a guitar for Christmas. I need a guitar. And then one year she actually got me a guitar for Christmas, which was kind of incredible because we were kind of going through kind of a rough time at that point with my family. So um, yeah, so that was really good Christmas present that one year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then from there, self-taught guitar. I just, I had a CD and a book and you put the CD on and it's like, this is a C chord, strum, strum, strum. This is a G chord, strum, strum, strum. And that's how you learn with the chart. And then somehow through figuring out chords on a piano, I could translate it to chords on a guitar Mm -hmm. and do it all by ear. Really? And then I got to a point where I'm like, I I don't know what I'm doing. I suck. I can't do this. So I put myself in lessons and they bumped me up to advanced right away. But then it was a lot of musical theory and it was just like so over, over my head, head. Yeah. so I just went back home and I'm like I'm just gonna write my own songs and I just never learned the music <laughs> theory <laughs> well I mean especially in like the, uh, those like grungier genres or even like blues a lot of it is self-taught and it's mm-hmm. it is really just being led by your ear absolutely well Stevie Ray Vaughan couldn't read a lick of music so mm-hmm. it was all feeling same with uh, Jimi Hendrix it's all feelings so. yeah that's where, that's where the soul is. So mm-hmm. I never actually got hard on myself or down on myself because I didn't, you know, go through with my lessons. I did a couple lessons where I'm like, maybe I'm just meant to do it by ear. And the yeah. more you train your ear, then, uh, you know, I think the the more well-rounded a musician you are because you can just pick up things on the fly. So mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I love is just being able to, like, uh, pick up an instrument, like a switch to bass later on. And just being able to pick it up and just kind of figure out where the song is going to go on the fly and where the transitions go and just to be able to intuitively do it without even thinking mm-hmm. and just, yeah, feel your way through it. So. That's awesome. And then that, that didn't happen right away. That took a lot of just trial and error. And I would put on the radio and I would just sit there and be like figuring out what note the song was starting in and then try to play along with the chords. Um, so that's how I started to like tune my ear to everything. Yeah. Um, but I guess in the... What uh, what I was lacking was I never really learned how to solo on guitar. So I'd always like attempt mm, it and what yeah. have you. And I got a little bit close, but that's still one thing that I always struggle with. And then that's the the one thing I do kick myself and saying, you know, I wish I just would have sat down 
and spent a little bit more time so I could actually learn how to like solo properly. So right, yeah, that's a skill. Like even with like theory training, it's it it just you got to do it. You, the, you have to actually practice it. And yeah, <laughs> you can learn all the theory in the world, but you got it's just it's all practical work. Mm-hmm. So don't mm-hmm. beat yourself too hard on about that. It's it's hard. I can't do it. I mean, I pretend to. But it's usually just like a memorized mm-hmm. pattern mm-hmm. that you yeah. do over and over again. So when was the first time you wrote an original song? I think I was 14 when I first got my guitar. Oh, no. Maybe going back earlier on piano, possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they were worth noting. But, from yeah. but I remember actually like taking out a pen and paper and actually writing a song. I think it was around 14 and they were... Pretty awful. I hope I burnt those cassette tapes. So <laughs> you recorded them too. Absolutely, yes. Wow, so <laughs> the proof is there somewhere hidden yeah. in my house. But <laughs> that's amazing. So you were from right from the beginning. You wanted to write and perform, and that's. And was there anyone in your family who was in like a band? Like, I mean, your uncle had drums, and I knew he had drums, but I never actually saw him perform. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really. I didn't go to a lot of concerts or anything. I think okay. my first concert, actually, I won't talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to my first concert until I was 14, actually. So okay. I guess that's maybe when it all started to click, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe seeing my first concert going, oh, uh, that looks fun. I think I could do I that. I could do that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so were, there, were these first songs you're writing, did you show them to anyone? Or were they kind of just secrets that you kept? I think I showed them to my mom. And she'd be like, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I think I maybe used a song for um, a project in in high school because sometimes you had the alternative, especially in like a creative writing class. So they're very open to alternative styles of creative writing. So I would utilize it that way. Um, Yeah, for the most part, I just kind of me in my room with my guitar and my pen and paper. And that's just like, that's how I focus. So I think it terrified my mom all through high school because she's like, (laughs) Please just don't think you're going to grow up to be a rock, rock star. star. Please yeah. get your education. So she was very terrified that I spent so much time in my room and guitar by myself. Um, it's concerning. It's like, why is she always alone? Yeah. Just making noises. Um, what were you writing about? Do you remember? Oh, at the time, probably boys. <laughs> and did you always, did you like think one day I'm going to go on stage? Unbeknownst to your mom, that, that was the plan that you wanted to actually go on stage and perform for people or was it kind of just like something that's therapeutic I think I did have it in my head like yeah no I'm gonna you know go play shows I'm gonna go on tour and I'm gonna be this huge rock star and then when I finally did it and I went on stage and performed my songs for the first time it was the most terrifying thing I ever did and I was so crippling shy at the time that I think someone even has it on video it was just the hair in front of my face and a microphone and the lyrics written on my arm because I was so nervous I kept forgetting them And then I stepped off stage and I'm like, why am I doing this? This was like, this was horrible and terrifying. And what am I doing? Do I really want to be a rock star? Right. I kept doing it for some reason. Maybe not necessarily going up and fronting a band. Um, I actually backed away from that for like well over a decade because I'm like, "Mm, not for me. Right. It's (laughs) a lot of pressure. It is. It's you're very like I have a lot of respect for anyone, especially that goes up on stage with just themselves, like playing solo. And they're playing guitar, they're singing, and essentially bearing their soul and opening themselves opening themselves up for a bunch of judgment from people. And it's just the most 
nerve-wracking thing in the world but for some reason when you start doing it, it's like well, i gotta keep doing this like you know subject myself to this and right it's like it's like a drug almost, yeah it's right? extremely addicting <laughs> and it's like man like it's the first like hour before that is like the most terrifying thing and then after you're like man i can't wait to do that again yeah sh- <laughs> like shaking so and sweating good. and right? so dizzy. sweaty like i need to sit down for a minute <laughs> When you were first writing, what was the genre that you, or was it always kind of like this bluesy sound or were you more pop? Oh, or? no, it was, oh, I don't even know what to call it, uh, sing-songy acoustic stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, you only know a couple chords, kind of like kumbaya-ish stuff, I mm-hmm. suppose. Um, but then when I got my electric guitar, then it kind of changed a bit and again, drove my mom nuts. She actually suffered from really bad migraines. So she's like, oh God, no, it's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> so when I got the electric guitar and just being able to play through an amp, it was just like, oh, this is different. This game is changer. A, yeah, this is a game changer. Yeah. And then I don't even know what I was writing at that time. Probably would have been closer to something like a pop punk, maybe. Okay. Um, or alternative rock, mm-hmm. I think. And, and who were your influences at that time? Who were you listening to that might have... You know, I loved this band called Guano Apes that was from oh. Germany. And uh, when I first heard them, I thought it was like a young guy singing. But then when I like looked them up, it was actually this tiny little girl or this tiny woman. Um, and she was just super petite. And she had just this crazy loud growly voice. And I was like, you are wow. amazing. Check, check them out. They're, yeah, they're from Germany, and I got, I remember one time for my birthday, my mom's like, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, I want the new Guano Apes album. So she had to, like, order it in from HMV, and they're like, I've never heard of this. Right. <laughs> She's like, how did you even hear of this? I'm like, I don't know, it was on the radio. So, it was on the radio. Yeah, so she oh, ordered cool. in this really expensive album, and I remember uh, the guys told her that it had very expensive taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I guess, like, at the time... You couldn't just download from Spotify. Spotify didn't about, exist. Yeah, it didn't. It not didn't exist thing. at that time. Um, the beeping noise. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Fire drill. Right. I hope not. Um, um, I lost my train of thought now. Mm. Oh yeah. What made you think, or what resonated with you with Guano Apes? Like, why? What was like? That's what I want to listen to all the time. Like, do you remember? I don't know. It was just uh, like I listened to a lot of like radio pop stuff. Um, I like to think part of it is because like weren't really exposed to a lot of different music so it was basically we whatever we heard coming out of the radio and then um i discovered actually university radio late at night so i was just playing with my little Ooh. clear rainbow <laughs> radio and i started to discover all these stations and i'm like wow this different music from what like the top 40 is playing right. so then i started to get into i guess more underground stuff um while still listening to a lot of like alternative rock and what have you but it was literally like maybe it was just adolescence, but it was like a, a switch went off and I just didn't care about pop music anymore. And it was like super heavy. I think I was even listening to like corn and stuff like that at the time. And okay, cool. Leading up to like this gothic phase that I went to, um, which I maybe isn't really was a phase. It's still there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just like like a switch went off and I'm like, oh, I don't like that music anymore. This is what I listen to now. And right. just it, like this door opened and I just kind of walked through it and went with it. So, mm-hmm. and then the, then your music was obviously influenced by that sense. And were you playing in a band at that point when you? When no, you, no, not until my first band. I think I, I had just turned sixteen and okay. I was trying to pursue being in a band. Um, I didn't actually get really heavily heavily influenced by blues until I joined Quagmire. 
when I was, uh, so I joined Quagmire when I was 19, but then because we played together so much and we were together for so many years, our sound just kept evolving. And I think by towards the third album, um, which was probably about seven years in, um, Chris, the guitarist, just like got crazy into Delta Blues and literally, again, like a switch went off and Mm -hmm. it was within two weeks, he came back and he's like, hey, look what I can play. And he was playing like slide guitar and he had just learned this whole new style of music. So I was like, "Um, you know, like, what is this music that you're introducing me to? And it was a lot of, yeah, like Delta Blues and Chicago Blues. And from there, we just uh, both together just like totally fell in love with it. And Chris is also the type of person where... um, if he gets into something, like he wants to know everything about it. Obsesses so, with it. Yeah. So yeah. we did all this research. So he's like, did you know this? And he had all these facts about it. So it was, yeah, that door opened for that. And I was just like, holy crap. Yes. And then, yeah, goosebumps. My, I felt like my soul just went that way. And I'm like, yeah, that's where, <laughs> that's where we're going now. Wow. And it just never came back after that. It was like, mm-hmm. nope, this is where it was supposed to go. Right. So you mentioned Quagmire. And mm-hmm. so you were in Quagmire for about a decade? About... I think we played actively for 11 or 12 years and then um, it just kind of quietly dissolved Um, and then just this past year we came back and did like a reunion show Mm. and what have you. So we play like sporadically. Mm -hmm. And what's the genre? Oh man, Um, we got dubbed Hillbilly Hardcore. I don't know if that's That's helpful. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. It's like kind of weird but it immediately tells you what it mm-hmm. is so that's helpful and with it were you you were touring and you said you had, no it was no, all we local. never we never went on tour we had uh, a slight ambition too when we were younger and then I think I started I sat down and I started planning it and I was like wow this is a lot of work um yeah. but also at that time I just don't think anyone's mindset was going on the road or anything like that unfortunately now we look back and kick ourselves going why did we do that when we were young that's the time you're supposed to do it so mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just all locally. I don't think we even left, um, like, the city borders. It was all okay. just within the city, which yeah. is kind of interesting because it actually was everyone in the band, except for myself, were all, like, country folks. So they all grew up outside of Winnipeg, and I was the only one that had grown up inside Winnipeg. So mm-hmm. Okay. So, and it kind of just trailed off, and then, but you still kind of had this, mm-hmm. this hunger, this desire. Um, what caused... Or what what started Katie and the Wolves? Well, after Quagmire kind of, like I said, quietly dissolved, um, I started with uh, another band called Black Hound. Okay. And during that time, I was in the middle of making a documentary. So I was very... No big deal. Yeah. Just throw that in there. (laughs) (laughs) So I was trying to balance both. Like I really wanted to do both, but because the documentary was funded by MTS and there was a deadline to it. I'm like, I should probably get this done. Mm-hmm. You know, they're starting to send me angry emails and what have you. Ooh. So I kind of had to put it on pause and focus on this documentary. And um, so that band ended up, again, like quietly dissolving too. So when I finished this documentary, actually it was about halfway when I was finished the documentary. I'm like, I can't do it. I have to play music. So that's when I figured I would do, you know, I, I always write songs on my own time. I have to do it. Like by myself, I like my own space when I do it. I don't like, you know, people around or distractions and what have you. So then I just started to get this like notebook after notebook full of songs. And then I started, you know, recording my own songs again and what have you, just doing like the blueprints for them. Well, wait, whatever happened to the documentary? What? Oh, I was doing this at the same time. Oh, at the same time. Yeah, okay. this was kind of my 
uh, stress release from it sometimes because right. it, it got frustrating at times. Um, what was the documentary about? Girls with Guitars. That's what it was called. Oh, <laughs> and what year did, was that released? Um, last year, 2018. Okay, March wow. March 31st, 2018. I think I've heard of it. You might have. I yes. think I... It took that me three years to make. Familiar. And actually, Jenny from Katie and the Wolves, she did that documentary with me as okay. well. Okay. And then uh, my good friend Cindy also mm. uh, helped out with that too, who and was also a musician. What in, what inspired you to make to make it? When- um, just being exposed to the punk scene when I was in my twenties, and um, just seeing all these girls that were super badass going up on stage. And when you're in the crowd and you're watching females on stage, you'd hear comments, you know, like, "Well, I bet they can't even tune their guitar," stuff like that. And yeah, was, you roll your eyes yeah. at it. You're, and that's what I would do. I was like, "Oh God!" Like I need to show people that girls can actually tune their guitar. Yeah, and <laughs> like we're pretty capable. Yeah, <laughs> surprisingly. So I did that through myself playing trying to show people like you know you can rock out like the boys too but then when you talk about it with other female musicians you don't realize how much they're also impacted by it but a lot of people don't want to talk about it because they don't want to rock the boat they're like you know we're we're in this boat we don't want to rock it too hard but at the same time it'd be nice if people you know gave us a little bit more credit yeah or respect yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so much to ask for (laughs) That's amazing. Um, and so you were at the same time you're working on Katie and the Bulls. Um, the lineup that you have now, do you want to go through everyone actually? Sure. Yeah. So um, I can't even remember who the first person I asked was. I want to say Chris because he's always, you know, I played with him for so long. Uh, musically, we played together for so long. Like it's got to be like 15 years now. So and uh, even when we were younger, we'd always say like, uh, you know, you're my u- musical soulmate because every like. Every song you write just like gives me goosebumps or I just like I'm totally on the same wavelength and it would always like it was like a give and take like that. So um, at first he said no. Um, he was kind of done. <laughs> You're so yeah. just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, that. he was kind of done with playing and really? he actually put his guitar down for a while and he was really focused on working. So when I, I caught him at a good time the second time. So I think he had picked it up a bit and uh, was ready to go back to play music so I just that that window was there so I mm-hmm. took it and he said yes so I was like yes <laughs> and then um I met Sean the harmonica player through my partner because they played together in Reverend Rambler so mm-hmm. my partner played upright bass and Sean was the harmonica player and I've always just had a soft spot for harmonica when I saw him play I'm like this guy actually like he's got crazy lungs he actually blows into this thing it's not he's just not tooting on it he's actually like ripping on the harmonica so I'm like I need this guy in my band that's cool um and then Jenny I just knew from the pink slips playing shows with her with Quagmire I actually recorded her pink slip album for her band and then I asked her to do help out with this documentary and she was totally gung-ho about it so then we got to got I got to know her a lot better during that process so then afterwards it was pretty easy to be like hey you want to in a band yeah you want to be in a band with me we haven't (laughs) been in a band yet together so and then jeremy i knew from blackhound and we call him jer bear he's just like the biggest sweetheart and if you ever meet him you'll know oh yeah jer bear i get it yeah you seem kind of like a bear are you jerry oh just super (laughs) sweet and uh yeah and 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 blackhound we just hit it off really well and just uh, had very similar personalities and just it was a lot of like laughing and what have you that's basically all we do too when we get together just a really good mesh of personalities oh, there's really no 
Like there, there's some criticism when it goes goes towards the music, but generally everyone is just super chill, really happy to be playing with each other, and everything just runs so smoothly. So it was kind of deliberate how I handpicked everyone, um, and pretty much no one really knew every anyone else through a hole in the wall. So mm-hmm. like no one had ever met Sean before. I was the only person that had met Sean. Like I think Chris knew Jenny in passing, and same with Jeremy, but no one had actually sat okay. down in the same room together. So right. Everyone was pretty much strangers, so I was the the link between all of them. So, mm-hmm. but it all worked out. I'm like, don't worry, I handpicked you for a reason. Like, yeah, your personality plan. <laughs> Just gotta trust me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> so, um, going into this into this project, did you ha- like what did you learn from your previous projects that you you knew that you wanted to make sure that you had for this? Like you like having an LP, or like did you, will you be touring, or have you toured with this project, or what did what did you go into this knowing that you wanted to have done or not do? That's a very good question. Um, I think from the the past projects, um, I think this one, like I felt like I could, I was in control of things, and that's what I liked. Kind of like the boss lady in me came out, and I'm mm-hmm. like, this is this is how I've always kind of wanted to do. I'm so. Katie, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but but we still work together as right. a group very well. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is this is dire- the direction I see it going and this is how I'm going to take it there and I'm just going to go do it that way. So mm-hmm. I felt like in Black Hound, I started to take on more of like a band leader role. Um, so I kind of wanted to adapt that too and bring that into to this project. And there's just, there was something different about feeling very in control of everything, everything down to, you know, these are the people that I want to play with me. Like I picked them for a reason. Um, everything from, you know, doing the engineering on the album to picking the artwork and the title and everything. And I bounce ideas off with the band too. Like everyone offers their creative input, but there's, yeah, this was just very different and just, it felt nice being able to feel that much in control of, you know, my art and my brand and something that you, like you can say is yours. Exactly. That's awesome. Wow. So we'll talk about the album, um, The Wild Unknown, when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. Um, We're going to listen to the song Wild Unknown um, from the album, uh, the title of the album. Mm -hmm. What inspired this song or what is it it about? This is... um, I I think the title kind of gives it away, but... Does it? it I was trying to be secretive. No. Um, (laughs) Well, the whole album and this whole... Katie and the Wolves project because it was such a different step for me. I was always doing bass mm-hmm. in other bands. Or if I was doing lead guitar, I was just always, you know, kind of the person in the background. So this taking a step forward, like back into the, the, the spotlight was, that was a huge obstacle that I had to overcome. So part of what this is about is kind of like that self-discovery um, and then with all the songs that are written on it, it's um, a lot of it like going inwards and what have you. Because um, I think a lot of people think they have to find themselves out there, but really you need you need to go in to do it. So this whole album, hence the wild unknown, is when you go inward and you open up that door, mm-hmm. you just you don't know what you're going to get. But right. if you can do it, usually it's going to be something very beautiful. So. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's listen to that. Everyone, you're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. I'm Ashley Bianez, your host. I'm here with Katie from Katie and the Wolves. And we're going to be listening to is it The Wild Unknown or Wild Unknown? Here I have the... The Wild Unknown. The Wild Unknown. Yeah, yeah. The Wild Unknown from The Wild Unknown. We'll be right back. We'll talk more about the album and songwriting and, and all that. I was going to say jazz, but it's 
blues jazz. <laughs> Here's a smooth jazz number yeah. for you. <laughs> we'll be right back. Listening to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. I'm Ashley Vianez, your host. I'm still here with Katie of Katie and the Wolves. Thank you for not running away during the break. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having yeah. me. Um, well, we our break, we were listening to The Wild Unknown, which is from the album The Wild Unknown, which you released just earlier this year. I did, yes. It's very exciting. Our times changed. Yeah, the great, great venue. Yeah. Um, so it is your first. Um, collection of music with this project and you decided to jump jump right in with a full length why did you decide to do so much music for the first thing because i just had so many songs like i gotta get these to tape or they'll just never they'll just never get done so um i guess maybe in hindsight i could have released it slowly but i just i had the music and i'm like yeah, yeah no full length there it is just get another scene right done. more <laughs> right totally i mean um quick seg- uh, side question when you think of the people who are coming to your show, what, who who would you say is your demographic? Just um, throw that in there. Twenties <laughs> to almost fifty, like it's it's okay. Quite a broad range. Mm. Um, I almost find gravitate like gravitates more towards like forty plus crowd sometimes. So I think because it has some of that blues that undertone and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. It mm-hmm. kind of. I feel okay. like it leans more towards like a 40 plus crowd sometimes, but there's okay. definitely a younger crowd too that like really enjoys it. And I think, I think one of the best things too is when, um, when I go play a show, I'll always get at least one person coming up and they'll just be like, that was amazing. <laughs> I love you. Or we'll always like get off stage and we'll be like, oh, I don't know how that went. And then someone right at the right time will come up and be like, that was amazing. I'm like, that's how it went. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all I needed. Thank love you. Those moments. Yeah. That was worth it. <laughs> I was just asking because like, if you if you do tend to gra- have a an older audience, full length makes sense because they're from the era where albums were the thing. I mean, like with with I never even thought of that. With yeah, like a younger audience, it's, they just kind of expect singles or mm-hmm. like EP, like easy to release, con- like a constant stream rather than like a big chunk and then a couple years and then a big chunk. Um, but there are a lot of um, younger music lovers who also appreciate a full length album. It's a lot of work. I think part of it, too, was, um, like, I didn't pay for studio time. Like, I did the album. It was myself and my partner, who was also an engineer. Because um, I'm I'm a sound engineer, so it doesn't make sense for me to pay someone to do my album. And my partner just has such a good ear for, like, garage rock. Because he's done, like, 20 of his own garage rock albums himself. So he just knew exactly how to set it up. So... I mean, if you have that at your fingertips, why not take advantage of it? So it didn't make sense just to do a couple songs because it's a lot of work setting up those drums in the living room. and (laughs) Don't want to keep taking them down and putting them back up. Exactly, because that's the same set we use to rehearse. So we're not going to, you know, move it up and down. It's like they're up here now, get everything done. And Jeremy did all the drums on this album Mm -hmm. in like five hours. It was one shot recording session. And these uh, 10 songs... uh, how how did they make the cut? What made you decide that these were the ones that you wanted? And in this order, even? I think, like, lyrically and 
musically, I thought they were just the ones that we performed the best. And it's supposed to be somewhat of like a roller coaster when you listen to it. Like I'm a big fan of, you know, just not lumping everything together, but kind of taking people through the emotions of what, what music does. So everything was strategically placed to kind of invoke certain emotions. Um, part of it too, if you like follow the lyrics for a lot of them, is kind of telling a story about a journey and it plays back into the name like the wild unknown that going inward so it's the journey of you know releasing and um, releasing things that no longer serve you and making way for things that you know are better for you and being open to it and um, also just kind of putting your foot down mm-hmm. going, you know this this is how I'm going to do it this is my way now or my way or the highway right awesome that just makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, where we need to talk about more about that. Um, so, how, um, well, how did you decide that you were ready to release something? Well, I was playing with, I think we played for two years with the same lineup, and um, you know, I'm not getting any younger, so I said, you know, <laughs> let's just why not now? Like, what what are we doing? Just like playing shows. Like, I think after a certain point. And the older I get, the less energy I feel I have. So playing tons and tons of shows really drains me. And I think some musicians love doing that and they'll play to their blue in the face. Whereas I really like the alone time. So the recording stuff, the creating albums, the doing like the music videos, because that's where I sit back. Like I do the editing and what have you. So I really like those processes and I find playing shows extremely draining, but still something that's necessary. Right. So I'm kind of picking pick and choose the shows that I play and after two years of playing shows and we like came out through the gates playing big festivals and what have you so like big crowds of people um, I'm very introverted so that very like sucks a lot of my energy out so I need Mm -hmm. a lot of time to recharge after something like that so so we put the full-length album out because I said it's been two years like what else are we going to do in two years we're not talking about a tour right now so let's do an album to me if I don't have an album, doesn't make sense for me to tour in, in my head anyways. Yeah. I think some people like to do that just to promote them as a band and then go again with an album. But, right. Uh, yeah. So that just seemed like the most lo- logical step. Plus, mm-hmm. it was an excuse to finally get into Times Change and play. Right. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. What are you going to do with the album? What's, what was the goal of this? What is this a tool for? Um, sending it out to radio stations. Okay. Um, selling them directly off stage. Like wholesale. Mm-hmm. right off the stage um, and just being able to have something tangible to hold in my hands and I think that's becoming a lost art um, I know a lot of people are going to like records and vinyl which I think is amazing because it's just very expensive mm-hmm. <laughs> to press something like that yeah you know if I could have had vinyl off the hop that would have been ideal I would have done one side all kind of the songs that make you feel really good and then the other side kind of more the sadder songs mm-hmm. or like the ballads and what have you so um So yeah, this really was, it also solidifies like what I was doing to be able to hold this in my hand and go like, yes, this is mine. Also, Jeremy, the drummer said like he was in bands for years. He was in 77 Guns and what have you. And he never had anything tangible. He's like, I've been doing this for so long. It'd be nice just to have something with my name on it that I can say like, this is me. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never had an album made <laughs> and I, I i that little like that holding i think it's just because of like m- like millennials are still like we grew up with 
writing things down and like Gen Z and all the, the young kids, they're all digital and everything. But so they. And digital, though, you just get the cover and yeah. then the music. But then when you open up the CD, there was just yeah. so much more to it. It was like the, the way it was packaged. Right. And like this one, people won't get too, because once you open it up, mm-hmm. like if you're buying it online digitally, you won't see the album when you open it you yeah. won't see that the key is there yeah and the then physical do, yeah so when you take the album out so the, the album is the key mm-hmm. so you just like listen listen to this <laughs> comes in packaging packaging and then you open it and then there's this wonderful picture of all of you and then you get to like hear this sound if you can asmr <laughs> just like taking it out of the the case see it's a, it's a it's beautiful lost buttons. thing now yeah and then like worrying if it's scratched because you <laughs> dropped it it's all it's all part of the, the the experience, right? So this album art, it's like a, for those of you who are listening to the podcast and to the radio, you don't get to see this, but it's like a keyhole with like this lovely um, border, like a, it looks like an old like mirror or something, and then there's like roots everywhere, trees, like trees, like creepy trees, mm-hmm, with little <laughs> eyes. Oh yeah, it's more trees. You're right. Um, and you did see the eyes in there, like yeah, the little yeah. eyes poking out at you mm-hmm. and staring at you. Um. And then inside is like Twilight Zone mm-hmm. um, with black and white and a figure standing there. It's a little, I mean, a little creepy. <laughs> I can, because um, you can see like the country with the trees and then like the black and white, kind of like the harder. Um, where did you get this artwork? Oh, that was uh, designed. That was handmade. By um, who? Uh, my partner, Greg. RK. Okay. Yeah, so. Wow. We started a company a couple years ago called... Golden Oak Record Company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where, and he's a graphic artist genius. So I literally drew that stuff on a piece of paper and uh, he translated it just because he's that good. I'm like sat there with a pencil and it was like the crappiest drawing ever. And he's like, I think I know what you want with this. And within like an hour, he's like, is this what you want? I'm like, that's exactly what I want. Wow. Yeah, he's he's I guess really good. It also helps that you guys are also in tune as like a couple yeah so that makes sense yeah but it means like he, he can read your mind mm-hmm. pretty much that's a little scary though <laughs> i mean <laughs> i think you discovered something um so then this has been this was your idea right from the beginning why did you decide to go with this this image originally i was gonna have jeremy draw something out because he's a tattoo artist mm-hmm. um so his life oh, is cool. drawing but he's uh, a very very um, I requested. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah. he's booked months in advance. So being able to All squeeze right. something like that in was just um, just kind of ran out of time. So, um, yeah, that's when I handed it over to Greg. But same same kind of concept, though, with um, with the key and this whole incorporate that that journey, the, the space being the the unknown, you know, the, the unknown that people are often afraid of um, and just so vast, like you just never know. You just never know which what like when you unturn a stone, you never know what's gonna what's gonna happen next. So, mm-hmm. right. So very, kind of literal, but also a little bit of like a metaphor of mm. space and everything. Exactly so, with the trees. I love. Also, it. I'm obsessed with like the moon and space. So I'm like we have to put that in there somewhere, right? <laughs> Do you think that'd be a, a reoccurring thing with the album arts, or quite possibly? Yeah, depending on I like I like flow and stuff. So yeah, a little bit of consistency, a little bit of like Easter eggs that keep recurring exactly yeah awesome i love that <laughs> so you you did the recording had had you done album recording or you mentioned that you'd done maybe album recording for someone else i did i actually um 
I, I got my diploma in audio engineering in 2009. Wow, where did you go? Mid-Ocean School oh, of Media Arts. You. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I was uh, the only girl in the class at that time, too. Not that that matters, but it was just, it was interesting. It kind of matters. <laughs> it's got like, we need more women in audio engineering. There was a so. great bunch of guys, though. I had such a blast in that class. Um, but then when I got out, um, I just really wanted to get into recording. And so I lived with the drummer of Quagmire for about six years. So I moved out of my apartment and I moved in with him. And he had invested before I even went to school. He just bought like a Mackie board. So he had the everything set up. He had this analog setup. And so for I was kind of... For those of you who don't know what a Mackie board is, oh. <laughs> I mean, I know, but just for those who are listening, can you, ex- can you explain? <laughs> it's uh, it's the console board that, you know, that you used to record, uh, especially like back in the 70s. Um, it's the one with all the knobs and the fader okay. switches and what have you. Um, nowadays, kind of like this one? Exactly like this with the meters and everything. Okay. Nowadays, people use things like software. Um, so like Pro Tools or right. Logic and what have you. So, um, so when I graduated... Uh, my computer couldn't even run Logic or Pro Tools, even though they trained us how to use it. So I didn't actually use that for years, and I focused strictly on analog. So I started doing tons of analog recording. Um, and the way to practice that was having bands come in and practice recording them, and then I would start to get more confident in my skills, start charging them. So I think in total, after all said and done, I think I did at least ten, nine or ten albums that I Okay. I helped produce like the Pink Slips was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was Flemme Fatale. I did a uh, Angry Dragons one that I don't think that ever got released. There was a couple of them that never actually got released. So mm. just kind of, kind of a kicker. Darn it. Yeah, yeah. Even Eric the Great, I recorded his album that he's always selling out of his guitar cases <laughs> there in Osborne. Oh, um, with the red scarf. Yeah, he's always playing like the Johnny yeah, Cash yeah. tunes. Yeah, he has his own album. Um, very, yeah. very sorrowful songs too. Mm. Um, yeah, so. What was the original question? We were just um, about recording. Yeah, I I don't know. It <laughs> <That> happens. <laughs> what uh, was I talking about? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I guess um, yeah, I used to record a ton of analog, and now now that I have the setup and I can actually do more digital recording, it's just so much easier to just throw up a microphone and like use GarageBand a lot too, just because it's so fun and yeah kind of play around with like electronic music in there and mm-hmm. it's some people play video games i like to play garage band right <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure yeah well i mean garage band was also a video game mm-hmm. so was that the joke yeah okay. it's like a music video game of course it went over my head um <laughs> so you you built up this experience and you were ready to um was this uh the wild unknown was that your first time recording your own music for release other than like when you were younger and you were doing like the little recordings for release yes so this is why this was also so scary because this was kind of my first coming out into the world as here's here's everything about me you know here's my songs here's my guitar playing here's my my vote my vocals and my voice um yeah like I'd always posted the odd song before that but this also playing with the entire band was a very new very new experience and mm-hmm. very very intimidating but like I said um it, it was something that needed to be done I think if I didn't do it I would just sit there and think well you know it, it's better to try and fail than to not try at all so yeah so <laughs> just that, that hit me a little hard oh. <laughs> I haven't tried uh, <laughs> but it's scary it right? is so terrifying. it's kind of overcoming that obstacle and 
I just think I couldn't live without at least seeing what right. would happen. And it bothered me more not doing it than it did doing it and maybe it being, you know, yeah. like it bombing and being yeah. awful. So are you happy with it? Absolutely. Yeah. Would yeah. you do it again? Yes. Perfect. Well, there you go. <laughs> Everything. That's all you needed. Uh, <laughs> that's all. That's all that matters. Um it was a positive experience. Mm-hmm. So what went into the like the, the prep work for this this release? So you did all the recording and all and like all of that mixing and all of that. Did you master it too? Yes. Oh wow. Um, well that's something that um so going back to this company that Craig and I started called Golden Oak Record Company, it was it's it's uh, essentially like a one stop shop. So that's where you go to get like your artwork, like for musicians and what have you, go get your artwork, there's your album layout. You can get it recorded and what have you. So this was also kind of a project to utilize Golden Oak Record Company. So Greg also does it with his albums too. Um, so it made it very easy because everything was right there. Like he did the album album artwork. Uh, he did the whole layout. Um, he did a lot of, he did the drum engineering and I did all the other instrument engineering. But then he helped with the mixing and then he did all the mastering. And uh, we kind of, had a little bit of cram like right before it was uh, supposed to be released we kind of misjudged how long it was going to take so there was a little bit of a, a panic push to make <laughs> sure that we got it in time but right we got it in time it came through and yeah and then the setup to play at times change that was all Sean's doing because he kind of had a connection there so mm. and he was very gung-ho about um, wanting to go back there with his own project too to say hey look what I did and now we're going to release it here so awesome pretty pretty awesome experience for everyone yeah and then like it, it went well and you had this release and it, mm-hmm. the, it was fun and it was I, packed it was packed in there we weren't expecting that <laughs> <laughs> what are you all doing here yeah <laughs> like you know did you mean to come tomorrow yeah. like, what? <laughs> we're happy you're here that's funny um so what are your plans now then what, what's moving forward what is what katie and the wolves doing right now we're working on um our next single um, this is like one of my, one of my favorite songs. It was actually a song that I played in Blackhound. So this was the one that I picked. I'm like, this has to be our next single. Cause it's one of the songs too. You start playing it and like people are coming to the stage and like right. they're pumping their fists in the air. So I'm like, yeah, that has to be the song. And plus, what, plus what? I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I had the music video idea for a really long time. So mm. I'm like, if we just do this, then the next phase will be doing the music video and then it'll just go on to the next full length album. And why didn't you release it uh, with the the first one? It wasn't recorded yet. But why didn't you record it? It wasn't ready yet. Oh, it wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> they hadn't even learned the song yet. Oh, so. I see. Yeah. So um, give it time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These songs, you know them, make you comfortable. And then on the next album, you'll be ready. And- yeah. So generally I'll do, like if I do, if I have a song idea, I use GarageBand or whatever. And I'll do like a blueprint. And then I send it to everyone. They get to listen to it. And then when we have a rehearsal, we just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and we'll just try playing it a couple times. Um, and then some. most of our rehearsals start with us just playing something random. So just like warming up with the jam. And I always hit record on my phone. And from that, there's probably like 20 songs that could potentially be like 20 amazing songs. And I've actually done the reverse way where I've listen to the songs that we've done just in a rehearsal just like off the top of our head mm-hmm. and then gone and structured them and turned them into an actual song and then come okay. back and like let's try this again amazing yeah sorry just it's fun. Fun. <laughs> amazing <gasps> it's monday and it's getting late yeah well technically it's tuesday is it what 
<laughs> well, when the episode gets released. Oh, I was like, I thought you were doing some space travel thing no. there. Well, I mean, technically. <laughs> Parallel universe, um, this, is a, this is a mandala effect? Or? Yeah, this is um, <laughs> us from the past and the future. Um, just to mess with everyone who's listening. It's Tuesday, don't it worry. It is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. It's after 2 p.m. Workday's almost over, for those of you who are listening. Uh, don't want to <laughs> confuse you. So where can people follow you and support you online or on social media? Or do you have any shows coming up that you want to promote? Uh, our next show will be for Harley Davidson, actually. So okay. Was, you know, wow. Back to motorcycle music. So mm-hmm. it was a good fit for that. So <laughs> it's uh, it'll be September 14th. It'll be during the day. And I think it'll be a full like three sets of music. And that'll be our first time actually doing a full three sets of music. So that'll be our first shoe in for that. Um and then, what was the question again? What, what are Where the can plans? people find you? Oh, find my music. Yeah. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, but I do sometimes utilize Facebook too. Um, got a bunch of stuff up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not on the Twitters. I don't know how to use Twitter. <laughs> you know, I've been using it quite a bit lately and it's actually kind of fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, a word version of in, like the old Instagram where it's all chronological. Mm-hmm appreciate that that's like the one thing that i miss about instagram don't miss don't miss those likes though no (laughs) god those are gone see i'm like when i have to post on social media it feels like so like soul sucking sometimes i'm like i'm doing this because i know i have to because it's part of it's a marketing tool and really if you have a brand you should be utilizing that marketing tool but sometimes i'm like i just don't want to i just i know i'm supposed to i have to do my homework right yeah (laughs) it's hard I mean, to be fair, if you think if your demographic is older, like if you think this, not they're not using Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can just be like, well, we'll just post the occasional like poster or fun thing for like, yeah, and then just focus on Facebook. And word of mouth does go a long way, too. It Don't does. Underestimate, underestimate the word of mouth. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I found out about Katie the Wolves. Oh, t- there yeah. you go. Exactly. Yeah. Talking about, people are talking <laughs> about you. So. <laughs> Good things, I promise. Is that okay, why my ears were burning. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why. <laughs> so, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the Winnipeg Music Project on one hundred one point five UMFM. I'm Ashley Bini as your host, and here with Katie from Katie and the Wolves. We're going to listen to the song "Long Gone." Mm. Want to quickly give us a little spiel about what that song is about? Sure. That one um, kind of focuses on being in a relationship that you know that you shouldn't be in, and having enough courage to walk away and saying this this no longer, you know, this is toxic, this no longer serves me, um, and trying to get into that mindset and preparing yourself, saying, mm. like, this is it, I'm leaving, and then when you leave, you're not going back, like, you're closing that door. So it can be very hard sometimes. Um, it's almost like I pulled that from from my younger years, and it was, you know, lessons you learn as you get older, so that's right. definitely what that one's about. Mm, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so much fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> and we can bring everyone back and we can have a party. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Winnipeg Music Project. For more on local music makers, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music by Will and Art from Collector Studio. And a big thank you to UMFM for making this show possible.